little hotter, a little more intense. It's a little fire there. It, it, it is. It is. You know, and I, I tell people the first time they taste it, I'm like, you know, you're you're going to get that that punch, that heat up front. But the the complexity of the flavors that are in that bourbon, just with the with the age and the proof, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And you can always add a little water if you need oh, to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another trip down the bourbon road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. We would like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the bourbon road. Find out more about their fine rustic furniture at logheadshomecenter.com. As you know, Mike and I like to mix it up a little bit, and today we have a real treat for you. We head into Louisville to sit down with Chef Joshua Moore. Josh is the executive chef and managing partner at Valari Italian Restaurant. My mouth is just water thinking about this place. If you're in Louisville or have plans to visit the Bourbon Trail, I would highly recommend a meal at Valari. Their menu is to die for. And it offers something for everybody. They also have over a hundred fine bourbons to choose from at their bar. Now, Josh, he plates some pretty amazing food, and you would expect that from a chop champion. He was able to outcook his competitors and bring the trophy back to Louisville. He even managed to sneak a little bourbon into one of his dishes to snatch the win. Now, why don't you guys just join Mike and I as we sit down with Josh to sip a little bourbon, chat about his success at Valari the farming life, and his love for that good brown water. Hello, everyone. I'm Jim Shannon. I'm Mike Hyatt. And this is The Bourbon Road. And today, Mike, where are we? Valari Restaurant. Who do we have with us? We got Josh Moore, the famous chef here in Louisville. Right? Probably world famous now, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good Good to have you here. So we're going to get straight to the whiskey, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. All right. So what we brought today for our first pour is uh, something special that was just released by Woodford Reserve. It's their Master's Collection Chocolate Malted Rye. Have you had this before? I have not. This is a new one. Okay. Uh, so now everybody, that's a, it is a bourbon. You know, they, they make it sound like it's a rye whiskey, but it's a bourbon. It is a bourbon. It is a bourbon that uh, has 15% rye in the mash bill that has been toasted extensively, I guess is the best way to say it, to a point where it gives off kind of a chocolate malted flavor. Uh, it's 90.4 proof. Uh, this is, uh, this bottle runs at the gift shop about $130. So it's not a cheap bottle. But it's 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 definitely a special pour. So why don't we check it out? Awesome, sounds, sounds good. good. All right, cheers, cheers. I tell you what, that that chocolate is absolutely present, isn't it? It is. Wow. You pick it up right away. Mm -hmm. That that almost coffee caramel caramel, you know, toffee just hits your tongue, and man, yeah. I think you know, I was I was surprised when I when I noticed it the first time. The, the cocoa was kind of prevalent. Definitely could, could, could pick it up. But, man, when it hits the palate, pow. It's, oh, yeah. it's, yeah, it's yeah. right there. Yeah, it's for, for first thing you take. Unmistakable. Yeah. Not a whole lot of rye on that back end. Not, no pepper. You know, not a whole lot. Not real peppery. It, uh, you d I mean, you do get the typical caramel of a bourbon, I think. Mm -hmm. You get uh, 
a little bit of fruit in there, you know. Fruit. Yeah, and you get you get a little spice on the back, but you're you're right, not that peppery, hot bite that you normally get with a rye. Not that punch in the yeah. mouth. Yeah, but the uh, the toasted oak is there. Yeah, get that. They definitely did a excellent job over there at Woodford with this. I, you know, I always look forward to their releases, and they, they, you know, they make it pretty exciting time of year when they put these things out. Yeah, I had a, I had an opportunity to visit Woodford, and I was with uh, Elizabeth Bacall. And we were out climbing through the rickhouse, drilling barrels, and she drilled into one of these. Said, "Hey, I want you to try something special." Of course, we didn't know it was going to come out as a master's collection. We yeah. just thought, "Wow, that was that was interesting." So. Woodford does some really neat stuff. With some of their, some of their masters collection. Yeah, some of the finishes. Yeah, they've had. Uh, yeah, they've had some some pretty interesting stuff. And uh, you know, they I, I don't know how often they release those. I guess there's a schedule to it, but maybe at least every fall, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, what do you think? Man, that's a home run. That's a home run right there. I mean, when, when would you when would you drink this, and what would you pair it with? Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a purist with my bourbon, especially something like this. Um, you know, I mean, some, something like this, I'd, I'd like just stand alone on its own, just maybe, maybe as dessert, yeah. um, you know, with a, with a dessert course at the end of a meal, uh, just, just neat. Um, if you did anything, maybe just like one cube in it, just to open it up a little bit more. But, um, I mean, it's definitely a stand, standalone bourbon. Yeah. I know they're double oaked is kind of a. Kind of a desserty kind mm-hmm. of bird. I've always loved the double oak. <clears throat> yeah, it's really good. Well, Josh, are you originally from Kentucky? I am. Yes, I grew up in uh, grew up in Louisville. Um, started in restaurants here at fourteen, and and been in the restaurant biz ever since. So um, how long have you known that's what you wanted to do? Gosh, you know, I get asked that a lot. And from the time I could climb up in a chair beside the stove with my grandmother, I was cooking. Um, just loved it. You know, my mom said she'd bring me home from preschool and sit me down in front of cartoons. She'd come back in the room later on and I'd be watching a cooking show. So I just was always mesmerized by it. Um, always wanted to be a chef. Um, you know, my, both, both of my grandmother's dad and mom's side, you know, cooked constantly. They both baked a lot. Um, so that's kind of how I started in the, in the business was really pastries. Um, you know, I always loved, especially holiday time, holiday baking, so you started as a pastry chef? Uh, I, I did. Um, started at uh, Vincenzo's downtown um, at 14. And I actually started busing and working catering events. My mom worked there on catering, so I was able to get a foot in the door early. And, um, you know, told the chef, Augustine, I'm like, I really want to be a chef. I love to cook. I love to bake. So I started coming in after school. I'd catch the bus to Vincenzo's and did a lot of the, like, grunt work in the pastry area, you know, chopping you know, 11 pound blocks of chocolate and slicing cakes and whipping butter and doing a lot of the prep kind of stuff. So how long did it take before you kind of took on that role? Um, so I, I, um, I was at Vincenzo's for, for a while, about a, about a year and a half from there. I worked at a few other smaller restaurants in town. Um, one, the former pastry chef of Vincenzo's open, um, and then Percini's, you know, that, that was a big step in my career. Um, started there at 16 and um at at 18 i was the sous chef pastry chef so you know just fresh out of high school nice um you know salary position for my age um you know going during the daytime and do the pastries and work the line at night expedite workstations whatever whatever needed to be done yeah so so 18 years old chef at a pretty prominent restaurant in louisville Mm -hmm. that's pretty good yeah a lot of people don't get that that kind of opportunity no So you took on that title of chef at that time? Is that when they said, hey, 
Yeah. Jeff. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. And, and, and while I was at uh, my early years at Percini's around 16, 17, I was also working at Wildwood Country Club. Uh, I was pastry chef there at that young of an age. Um, and, you know, the, the thing about Wildwood is I, I would just go in and do the pastries and then I could leave. So then I would work Percini's in the evenings. But, uh, but yeah, at, at 18, I had the, the title at Percini's of sous chef, pastry chef. Wow. Now, when, when did you, what was your first job where you were the head chef? Um, first job as executive chef was Cafe Emily in St. Matthews. How old were you then? 2002, 2003, around that area. So I was 22. 22 years old. And you were the executive chef. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I get asked all the time, you know, what, what culinary school I went to, what formal training I have. And, you know, school of hard knocks. I just, um, Got into it early, you know, by, by my senior year of high school, I looked at culinary school. I looked at JCC in town and Sullivan, and but I just felt like I already, you know, was what was into my career and had a great thing going and just decided, decided not to do it. Do you feel like you missed anything? Um, I, I don't, you know, so, sometimes I regret it. Um, but, but overall it hasn't, it hasn't hindered my career, um, you know, I, I, um, I think I would have gotten a lot more of like international cuisine and, you know, learned a lot of other things. Um, and you know, I've, I've really stuck to my Italian roots and done Italian food for 26 years. Um, and you know, had, had I, had I gone to school, I may have branched out a little bit more, but, um, but yeah, I definitely, definitely don't regret it. Now you're, you're hanging out in the back of them houses and stuff, you know, back of house, the restaurants and stuff. And, uh, you're a young man back there in that kitchen. When was your face first taste of bourbon? You're from Kentucky, so it had to be pretty early. Yeah, way yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely early. Um, you know, like like you said, being in the being in the kitchen and you know, always being one of the youngest ones in the kitchen. Um I de- definitely had my first first taste of bourbon, you know, late late teens. You remember what that was? Oh gosh. No, I, I can't remember what my what my first bourbon tastes were. But you know, doing a lot of lot of events in the industry. Um, you know, some of my more memorable early um, you know, I've I've, I've always loved um Old Forester. Um always kind of been one of my go-tos. Um you know, and then Buffalo Trace. I, l- I like a lot of what Buffalo Trace does. Um, you know, a lot of their different different brands. Um those are definitely two that, you know, always stood out to me. Um, you know, one, one of my first distillery tours ever was Maker's Mark. Uh, you know, that definitely left an impression, you know, just such a beautiful property and the history that goes behind it. And, you know, dipping that first bottle, that's something you always remember. Now you just went back there not too long ago, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. About, about at, le- at least once a year, we do do a big dinner there. Um, and it's always, you know, always fun. Makers is a great partner. Um, you know, we, we did a couple barrel picks last year here at the restaurant with their new private selection program. And that, that was really awesome. So <clears throat> the restaurant here um, has quite an extensive bar. But in addition to that, do you have the ability to sell bottles directly as well? Uh, we do not, we don't, we don't sell bottles directly, but, but we do have a, you know, large bar and great selection of bourbon. So you get a number of cases here. You can still go through them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, um, you know, we were on the bourbon, bourbon trail back in the, the early days of that, you know, when there weren't a lot of restaurants that, that had that caliber of a bourbon bar. Um, so we've been doing it a long time. Yeah. So how many bourbons do you have on your bar? Um, I would say all in total. I mean, we're, we're in the, you know, triple digits in the hundred plus range. 
have to check that out. Absolutely. <laughs> and how long have you been here as the executive chef? Um, I started here in 2005, um, so going on 14 and a half years. Um, the restaurant opened about a year before I came on board, and um, I came on board July of 05, and I came on as um, sous chef, pastry chef. And um, within about a year, I came into the role of executive chef and uh, have, have always overseen the pastries. You know, pastries are kind of my passion. I love I love the, um, you know, exactness of pastries. You know, I always say cooking's an art, baking's a science. And, and it really is. Um, you know, pastries has always kind of played into my nature, you know, being, you know, exact with things and little OCD. Um, so I've always enjoyed the pastries. And I became a partner in the restaurant in 2009 and been doing it ever since. So what kind of a, what's the size of the kitchen staff here? How big of an operation is this? I mean, it's a big restaurant. It, it is big, big restaurant. You know, we see it about 250 um, on the weekends. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do, you know, a couple turns, uh, a lot, a lot of private dining um, in our private dining room, private patio. We also have that blocked off and enclosed in the winter as well, as well as a lot of catering. We do a lot of catering out of the restaurant. Um, you know, staff wise, you know, it depends on the season and time of year, but you know, we're going into the holidays right now. So I'll be, you know, eight to 10 cooks in the kitchen during the week and 10 to 14 on the weekend. And then plus, like I said, with the, um, outside catering going on, I'll bring in extra, extra help for that. Wow. You, uh, you're a busy man though. It, right? it, it, it's, uh, it's very busy, you know, and then, um, you know, you throw the, throw the farm into the mix, of everything else we have going on and it uh it keeps me busy now you live out there uh, on your farm is out there by me and jim in spencer county right yes right across the spencer county line yeah, from yeah, shelbyville right right across spencer line from shelbyville on 44 um you know moved out there the same year i started at the restaurant actually 05 um you know did didn't plan on farming when i bought the property i really bought it for the old farmhouse farmhouse was built in 1905 i just fell in love with it you know it um needed a whole lot of work we uh we have nicknamed it the money pit uh fittingly and um you know the house is on 10 acres of land first year we were there planted a dozen tomato plants really just for for more for home than anything and um brought the extra tomatoes to the restaurant served them to some of the regular guests that i knew and they they just loved it they thought it was so cool they were like so you know the fact that you as the chef, you know, grew this and brought it in and you're cooking it and serving it. It's just so neat. So I, th I thought I could, I could grow this a little bit. So in, uh, you know, 15 years time, it's grown from those dozen tomato plants to about two and a half to three acres, depending on the season. Uh, quite the operation now. Uh, you know, we've invested more into equipment over time and, you know, do, do things with irrigation now and with plastic culture for weeds. And, um, you know, back in the old time, you know, we made tomato cages for all the tomatoes. Now we do a, a Florida weave system with twine. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's grown a lot, you know, last year alone, heirloom tomatoes, we planted 1300 plants, 60 varieties. Um, and it's, it's as much work as it sounds like it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty the, intense. That's a lot. So that, that all feeds this restaurant. I yes. Mean, every, everything we grow comes to Valare. You know, we don't do, farmers markets or anything like that you know we, we we give away produce to neighbors and friends that kind of thing sure, but sure but other than that everything we grow comes here so you love the farming life I, I do um i don't always love the early mornings after working at the restaurant at night but right. but i do enjoy you know just getting outside and and you know hands in the dirt and just that sense of accomplishment you have from it 
we always hear in the bourbon world and well, in, in the bourbon and whiskey world, you always hear about terroir. Is it the same thing in the food world with, with your vegetables and, and all the things that come from the farm? You got that special flavor that just kind of, it's this, from this area. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, the, Beautiful thing about Kentucky, tomatoes here taste better than they do from anywhere. I swear the the flavor you get from tomatoes here is just amazing. Um, now, you do have a short, short season. You know, you don't have the long kind of season you have in hotter climates. But that that short season, just the the intense flavors and, you know, the limestone on the ground, just like what it does for the bourbon, it does that for vegetables. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's just nothing like a homegrown Kentucky tomato ripe right off the vine. So what a, what kind of a commitment is that in time to have a to have a farm like that in addition to what you're doing here? Um, you know, it, it it depends on the season. You know, tomato seasons are is our hardest season. You know, tomatoes need a lot. I mean, it's we're out there every single day, seven days a week. Um, you know, you're you're picking daily, you're tying, you're watering, you're spraying. I mean, there there's a lot that goes into the tomatoes. Uh, spring and fall when we're doing, you know, our coal crops, you know, cabbage and. Um, cauliflower and lettuces and greens and kale you know that kind of stuff doesn't need the constant attention um so it's more you know planting and you know fertilizing and um harvesting you know there's not the the daily need like the tomatoes have um so in the in the spring and fall i'd say you know 10 15 hours a week yeah is probably about average and in the in the summer in the in the heat of you know, herbs and peppers and eggplant and squash and tomatoes, you know, all those things grow so fast and need, you know, daily attention. I mean, I'd say probably 30 to 40 hours a week on the farm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm my, my wife, the, the farm's her, her full-time gig. So she, she's always out there. That's what I was going to ask you. How, is it a family affair? It, it is. Um, you know, everybody asks all the time. They're like, you know, how many employees do you have on the farm? And I laugh. I'm like, it's just, just us. Yeah. Um, you know, people have a hard time grasping that with the restaurant and everything else going on. But, um, you know, our, our son Gibson, you know, he's, he's 10 now and he actually, he gets out there and he helps like yeah. the cherry tomato picking. That's his job. You know, it's t- tough on us all that bending over picking those little bitty tomatoes. So that's, that's one of his big things, but yeah, Lindsay's working on the farm seven days a week. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's like anything. It's like, you know, it's just like being in the restaurant business. If you're not passionate about it and don't love what you do, you know, it, it'd be miserable. But if, if you love it and enjoy it, you know, the the hours, they, they go by quick. So in addition to vegetables and those kind of things, do you also have animals on your farm? Uh, no, no livestock on the farm. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about it down the road. And, you know, who, who knows long term? Um, you know, I do a lot with certified Angus beef. I'm a brand ambassador for them. You know, you see by the, the the cow tattoo on my forearm with the butcher chart i'm pretty pretty dedicated to the beef world so you know we, we've said long term I, I would love to get in some certified angus beef stock and um you know work more on the breeding and genetic side of it um so you know who, who knows in the future how many hours total you between the restaurant and the farm are you putting in a day um i mean my my typical day during during the peak and tomato season i mean i'm i'm out there in the garden by 7 30 or 8 and I get home from the restaurant by, you know, anywhere from 1030 to midnight. So that's, that's a, a good, that's yeah, a long day. it's a 15, 16 hour day. Now that, that'll make you want to grab a glass of bourbon and relax a little bit. Right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And what do, what do you usually, what's your couple bourbons you like to drink on? Uh, you know, a couple of my go-tos, you know, just, just a, original 86 proof old Forester. I think for something that you can buy anywhere, anytime, easy to get. I just, I think it's got an amazing flavor. 
Um, price points great on it. Few more of my my go tos. Uh, Maker's cask strength. I, I love the cask. You know, to me, that's that that's that's Maker's. Um, I'd pick up a bottle of cask over over regular 46 just personally love them all but i love the cast strength a few of my absolute favorites um a few of my favorites actually come out of buffalo trace um rock hill farms that's that's one of my one of my favorite bourbons yeah i, I tend to like a little sweeter smoother profile and uh the rock hill's phenomenal um george t stag on on the opposite end you know something a little little hotter a little more intense That's a little fire there it, it, it is it is you know and I, I i tell people the first time they taste it i'm like you know you're you're gonna get that that punch that heat up front but the the complexity of the flavors that are in that bourbon just with the with the age and the proof it's it's pretty amazing yeah and you can always add a little water if you need oh to. yeah absolutely <laughs> who does that <laughs> This this has been a really big year for you. Is that right? It has been. It has. Yes. So you one chopped. Yes. And you probably talked about a lot about that, so we won't go too much into that, but that that brought a lot of fame to you. Is that correct? Um, it, you know, it, it's chop's been great for business. Um, no, no doubt. I mean, it has brought in people from, from all over the country into the restaurant. You know, it's, 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 it's pretty crazy. The impact it has, you know, I'll go out into the dining room just to talk to tables and, you know, a lot of people are in town, you know, for, for, for tourism now with Louisville, um, especially with the whole bourbon thing, you know, I've told people from out of town, you know, bourbon has become for Kentucky, what wine is for Napa Valley. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The impact it's had on tourism, uh, bringing people into the state. And as the bourbon industry's grown, the food, the restaurant industry's grown too, you know, they go hand in hand. And, um, you know, so now having as much of a, a broad, um, customer base as we have, um, you know, I hear people constantly, they're here in town for the bourbon tour. They're here in town for a convention and they watch chopped and that's why they're here. Um, so we, we've had a ton of new guests in this year because of it. Um, definitely been great for business. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy thinking, thinking back to the, the chop thing, you know, it seems like it's been so long now, but I guess it really hasn't. Uh, but for me, it was filmed in January of 2018 and aired January of 2019. So I had to keep that secret a whole year. <laughs> um, so, you know, for me, it seems like it happened forever ago. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty wild. I guess that's a, that's an absolute secret you have to keep. It it, it is, um, something like a million dollar non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. Help. Wow. So (laughs) so help you be quiet. Yeah, exactly. So do they allow you to tell your spouse? Um, I, I I did tell my wife, um, but she's literally the only person that that knew, um, you know, I, I joke, you know, we took our son to New York with us for that trip. And, um, when I got done with the chop filming that day, uh, we waited for him to go to bed and we popped a bottle of Vuve and celebrated and, um, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even tell my mom, you know, she yeah. had to, she had to wait and find out a whole year later. So you're also honored this year as, uh, as the uh, chef of the year for the certified Angus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was just recently. Um, they had their annual convention in Asheville, uh, city, a city I love great, great, great town. Um, yeah, they honored me as chef of the year and um it was on like a you know cab you know it's on an international level and honored me as the uh, chef of the year great great honor um you know as i said they're a great brand partner been a proud uh certified angus beef uh ambassador for about 10 years now and you got four stars on your arm what those what are those four stars for so the, the the four stars are from a career journal write-up um many years ago that was probably about 11 years ago 
you know, when the restaurant first opened, I believe we had like a three star review and the, the next one that came around, we got our four stars and, um, you know, myself and like five of my line cooks went that night and we all got four stars. You know, everybody designed them a little different, got them in a different place. And, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's great. Well, I tell you what, uh, Josh, what we'd like to do here is just uh, keep sipping on our Woodford. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we want to see what you brought for us to drink. All right. Sounds Sounds good. good. All right. We would like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of The Bourbon Road. Logheads Home Center, nestled in the hills of Kentucky, is an industry leader in building handcrafted rustic furniture. Family owned and operated, they take pride in offering only the very best for their customers. The Logheads, and that's what they like to call themselves, are skilled woodcrafters who are passionate about creating rustic furniture for people who appreciate the beauty of natural wood. Owners Tommy and Gwen don't just sell the rustic lifestyle, they live it. And you can be sure that Logheads Furniture will always be handcrafted in Kentucky by artisans who embrace the simple way of life. Logheads Rustic Furniture is made from northern white cedar, a sustainable wood that's naturally rot and termite resistant. Its beauty and quality will add warmth to your earthy lifestyle for generations to come. Be sure to check out everything they have to offer at logheadshomecenter.com. And while you're at it, give Tommy and Gwen a shout on Facebook or Instagram at Logheads Home Center. Josh, we're back. What'd you bring us to drink? All right. So it's one of my new favorites, um, Old Forester 1910. Um, you know, I describe it as dessert in a glass. I mean, it is just uh, phenomenal. The, um, you know, toasted marshmallow and caramel and butterscotch you get when you drink this bourbon. Um, definitely something to be in, in, enjoyed on its own. Um, you know, we, we've got two two really, you know, desserty, sweet side uh, bourbons today on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you know some of the backstory to the 1910? Uh, not, not, not a lot. I know, you know, they released um, the series of, um, you know, diff- different bourbons from different times that they've done. And, um, you know, this was my favorite when I went down there and did a tasting of them. This would be their almost a double oaked, is when their bottling line in 1910 caught on fire. Um, they had all that stuff ready to put in bottles and they had to put it back in into barrels. And so when they brought it back out, they're like, well, this, this is really good. So, you know, with everybody coming out with these barrel finished whiskeys, right. And, you know, they're kind of standing up and saying, Hey, we were, we were kind of the first to hit that second barrel, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we back then. Now it was because of a disaster that it happened. Yeah, it was a fire bottom line burn up. But I guess the second barrel is a little different than the first barrel. And, and it just, it picks up those caramelized sugars. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just, just, it's amazing. Yeah. You hit it, you hit it all the notes on the head on this thing. I tell you, me and Jim have, we've drank this several times uh, on the show and, and per, personal, we both got bottles of it. And, you know, if I see a bottle, I try not to pass it up. I yeah. usually have to reach out and grab that <laughs> thing. Like, I got to take that home with me. But, uh, it, it never fails to, to please you, right? Uh, that's right. I know Campbell Brown. He uh, he had talked about when he released when they released the the first 
release of the 1910 that they had no idea what the market would be on it and they sold out it emptied the shelves in a very little so this this year i guess was their second time releasing mm-hmm. it. and there's a little bit more out there now so yeah they're you know they, they were out of it for a while um mm-hmm. i did a few events down at the uh downtown distillery and you know it's something i always like to feature for like a dessert pairing and um they were out of it for a bit yeah, it's a dark whiskey. I mean, it's it's a very dark whiskey. It definitely picks up a lot of color in that second barrel. It does. It? it does. That's sweet. I definitely get the marshmallow on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, toasted, toasted, but not burnt. Yeah, yep. yeah. I always think a uh, cream brulee with this. Oh yeah, bit. yeah. That's, I get that in there, and it's. I tell that to people, and they're like, "What? What?" <laughs> What are you yeah, talking yeah, about? Van- yeah, vanilla and caramelized sugar. I mean, it's it, it's all of that. I guess you got to be a big guy to understand that. <laughs> <laughs> if I say something tastes like banana pudding, people are like, banana pudding? You know, I'm like, it does. And yeah, that's yeah. That's what it tastes like. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, Josh, you're uh, you're doing farm to table, too. You do a couple of those a year. Yeah, and- yeah a few farm to table dinners at Jeff the Creed a year. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it kind of has grown into a um, almost every other month during the farming season type thing. Um, I think we have five on the calendar for next year. And, um, you know, the, the heirloom tomato was probably my favorite. You know, I'm, I'm partial to the heirloom tomatoes. It's just, um, you know, you put so much work into something to see the finished product. It's really awesome. But uh, but they've been great dinners, um, and I've been able to feature stuff from all over the state in the dinners. Um, you know, uh, catfish from around the state, and um, you know, shrimp from Kentucky State University's aquaculture program. Um, the last one we did a lot of pawpaw in the in the dinner. So can we can we tell everybody what a pawpaw is? Yeah. So you know they 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 kind of call it the the Kentucky banana. It almost has like a a banana flavor and pulp to it. Um the fruit it's um uh, it's kind of like a looks almost like a mango from the outside. Um you know dark green color. Um you know you crack them open, they have some big black seeds in them and then the pulp is the part that you eat. Um but they're just amazing when they're ripe. Just phenomenal flavor. They're great in ice cream, sauces. Um and if you're not from the area, a lot of people just don't know about. Yeah, them. yeah, people yeah. don't, and and you know, even people from the area. I feel like, you know, pawpaws are, are are making a comeback in the area. I feel like for a lot of a lot of years there, you never never saw them on menus or heard people talk about them. But uh, but yeah, it's you know to be something from from Kentucky that almost has like that tropical fruit flavor to it. It's pretty pretty amazing. I even heard Jeff the Creed was making a spirit. Is they it- do. They do a uh, pawpaw brandy. It is actually one of my favorite spirits. They do. Um, it, it's not a overly sweet brandy and the, the pawpaw flavor is just phenomenal. It's so pronounced. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I've used it in a, in a flambe before I've soaked a cake with it, like a rum cake, but more of a pawpaw brandy cake. Um, and it's just, just great, great spirit. So if you had to describe your style of cooking, would it, would it be a Southern style? Would it be a, um, yeah, I, I definitely, um, you know, even even here at the restaurant, you know, we're Italian food, but there's a little Southern influence to it. Yeah. Um, you know, end of tomato season, we were featuring fried green tomatoes all fall this year, which everybody just loves. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I like to use, you know, lo- local ingredients, um, you know, not just from our farm, but from a lot of other farms across the state. Um, so a little, little, little Southern flair to a traditional Italian menu. Do you feel like those of us in Kentucky are kind of Southern folk a little bit? I do. I do. Um, you know, my, my, uh, wife's family's from Southern Maryland. And even though they're not 
that much more north than us. You know, we're definitely more southern here. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think we're kind of close enough to that border where everybody's like, until you get off the interstate. Yeah. And that that country comes out. Yeah. Whenever I think of, I always think it's funny that so many Italian dishes have tomatoes in them and stuff. And, and tomatoes aren't, they're a, a native to the Americas and not native to Europe. Um, I always find that very interesting that how the Italians took the tomato and almost made it their own. Yeah. 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 Something, something I loved when we were in, uh, we were in Italy a little over three years ago on our honeymoon now. And, you know, every, every single, you know, even in the cities, everybody had their own little backyard garden. I mean, it was, it was, it was so cool that, you know, every home cook one of their own herbs at home and their own tomatoes at home, and it's pretty neat. Isn't it how that? It's weird how Americans. I think sometimes Americans so fast paced life they don't feel like they have time for it. And people at my work are like, I can't believe you and your wife put all that effort into having a garden. Yeah, and how do you have time to do that? And I'm just like, it tastes so much better. Oh, it does. Why? Well, you, you you guys have a big garden for just for 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 people, home for yeah, yourselves. Yeah, yeah but. You know, I, I tell people it's amazing the difference in taste. Even something as simple as a potato, as as much work as they are to dig up a, a fresh potato versus one that's been you know sitting in storage for months and months and months, it's it's unbelievable the difference. Yeah, I just I I think it's it's a great thing to have, even if you have a small townhouse or something or just a patio to have some pa- patio tomatoes. Yeah, and I always tell everybody herbs. at least a, if nothing else, have a couple tomato plants and fresh herbs. You know, her, herbs don't take up a lot of room. They grow easily. We thought we were going to have too much basil this year, and um, but we never we we never seem to run out of it. That's the great thing, and we always love to have that tomatoes, uh, basil, and some mozzarella. You know, a little olive oil and pepper, salt yeah. and pepper. Man, it there there there's nothing better in the summertime. I, yeah. I tell people that's that's all we eat at home, or either caprese salad or a BLT. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those two about every day. Yeah, you got my mouth watering here. <laughs> well, Chef, why don't you tell us a little bit about the menu here at the restaurant? So, just- uh, so you know, menu here at the restaurant, um, it's it's a, a you know big big menu and a lot of options. You know, I try to have something for everyone, um, and whether you want to come in and have a lasagna or a chicken parmesan, you know, some very just traditional, you know, northern Italian food, um, you can come in and have that. You can have you know a lot of different veal dishes. The veal salt and boca is one of my favorite things on the menu. Um, I do a roasted duck from Maple Leaf Farms from Indiana. Uh, phenomenal roasted duck. Um, steaks and seafood as well. Uh, you know, every, every Friday I do this fun thing. I bring in fish from somewhere in the world, post it on Facebook and Instagram, and people love it. You know, they I have people tell me they wait all week to see what the Friday fish is going to be. Uh, so that, that that's that's been a fun thing. And you know, being a you know landlocked state, you know, we've got great access to seafood here. And, um, why is that? Uh, you know, the UPS hubs, a, a big part of it, you know, we can get stuff flown in from anywhere in the world overnight. Uh, so that definitely helps, um, us be able to source things from everywhere. Um, but you know, the, the, the fresh seafood here, the steak program, you know, like I said, certified Angus beef, we're, we're big on that. You know, you can come in here and get a, a ribeye, which is always my, my go-to choice. Um, I run those tomahawk steaks as a special often big 32 ounce, two pounds of ribeyes. I did. did oh, have that my last wife, night. She was like, man, he's got those tomahawk. I know oh you yeah. One of those things. I'll, I'll, I'll have those from now <laughs> until the end of the year. You know, holiday season is just a, just a thing to have. Um, 
But, you know, and then then also on the menu, you know, pastas. We make a ton of fresh pasta in-house. Uh, I've got one guy that comes in six days a week, and he makes pasta and pastries all day long. And, um, you know, those fresh pastas, there's just nothing like a fresh pasta. And that's what he was back there making right now is yep. some kind of maybe a pumpkin pasta is what it was oranges looking. So I was, um, yeah, yeah, we've, we've had, um, you know, a lot of pastas for specials lately. We've been doing a lot with butternut squash and pumpkin and, um, different things like that. That was nice to see that I walked back there today and there is real homemade pasta being back, oh, made yeah. back there. Yeah. And it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's every day. I mean, it's, um, it's a, a, a big part of our menu, a big part of what guests come here for. Um, you know, we, we, we make everything from scratch in the kitchen and, uh, we still cook everything all a minute, which means in the minute. So, you know, you come in here, you get a chicken marsala or a Villamone, you know, it's not some big batch of sauce we pre-made. It's made right there in that saute pan. Um, you know, it takes a little longer. It's a little more work, but, um, gives you a way better finished product. I, I, you made a, uh. You made a ravioli one time, and I think it had a quail egg inside there. Oh yeah, the 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 duck egg, duck egg ravioli. <laughs> still, could, I was like, how did he get that not to cook that entire? Because it was it was runny, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I just I was still made. I, you know, I still talk about. Oh, he got that egg in there to to not you know cook up. Yeah, I, I do those especially every once in a while. And I just <laughs> I love them. You know, it's just so rich that that egg yolk and that sage brown butter. It's delicious. So when you have family coming in from out of town or friends coming in from out of town and they're here for a day or so and you, you want to take them out and show them Louisville, where do you guys go? Uh, so, you know, a couple a couple of my go-tos um, on, the, on the fine dining side, you know, Jack Fry's has been one of my favorites for years and years and years. Um, just consistent. They do a great job. I love the atmosphere. You know, it's a small, quaint little restaurant. I uh, love the history of it. Um, other than that, you know, lunch wise, you know, we, we love, um, we love like taco luchador, um, just, you know, great couple street tacos and some corn and, you know, great quick lunch. Um, you know, big, big sushi fan. So we, we do the sushi restaurants in town quite a bit. You're a museum fan or, uh, you like, uh, going to see the shows in downtown or, um, you know, being in the restaurant biz, you don't get a lot of time to, yeah. do, to do much. Um, <laughs> You know, when we when we travel, I'm a big big antique guy. Um, yeah, it's really? one of the, yeah, it's one of the things about the old farmhouse. You know, just the the history and the the character of it. Um, so it's it's all full of antiques. So I've I have fun with that. Are you a picker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, my my <laughs> wife would call me a hoarder, but um, but I'm I'm a picker. Yeah. And do you guys ever go over to Karis's Grocery right there by your guys' oh, house? Oh yeah, yeah. They 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 do a great job. Love them. Um, Awesome family. Great, great burger. You know, we'll go there and grab a, grab a burger. Yeah. Um, I dropped them off some tomatoes this summer uh, when we were, you know, right in the, in the thick of tomato season. Yeah. That's a carrots grocery. If you, if people don't know, it's, it's outside of Shelbyville, about halfway between Shelbyville and I guess Taylorsville. And it's just a step back into the fifties. It, it is. It is. And it's like, it's like four miles from our house. The, um, the grocery store was originally owned by the same people that own our old farmhouse. Wow. Yeah. So you got a tie to that. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It's just out there in the middle of nowhere. It is. You? It is. Yeah. So what's your ideal comfort food? Uh, you know, I, I would say like on the comfort food side, you know, like, like Thanksgiving dinner, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a turkey dressing gravy kind of guy. Um, you know, I get asked a lot of times, like what my last meal would be. And it, it it's always a ribeye steak, Yeah, you know, nice, nice, heavy char rare, mid rare ribeye. Um, 
you know, just nothing, nothing better than that to me. You like beer? You drink beer? Not a, not, not a no. big beer drinker. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I drink a beer, I want to, I want a beer you can kind of chew. I want, yeah. you know, something, something thick, you know, a, a stout again. I'll have a Guinness. Um, love that Guinness. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a red wine with dinner guy or, or, you know, bourbon, bourbon anytime. Yeah. Are you, uh, you, You've spread love with the bourbon because you've did something Maker's Mark, right? You have, you did something with Old Forester. You done some stuff charity work with uh, Angels Envy. Um, you you've been around a lot. You went to Jeb the Creed and do stuff with them. You know you've got a pretty good tie in with everybody in the bourbon community. Mm-hmm. How that how that come about? Um, you know, I I guess just just like I was saying, as as the bourbon world's grown, you know, the restaurant business has kind of grown with it. Um. And, you know, we, we have such great partners from all the distilleries that, that work with the restaurant and do dinners here and bring people in when they're out of town. And um, so, yeah, we, we definitely, you know, work, work with everybody a little bit. And most of it's for charity stuff, right? Like March of Dimes. And- yeah. So the, the March of Dimes event, we just had that for this year. Um, you know, great event. Uh, raised over $300,000 for March of Dimes in one night. Um, it's called the, called the Signature Chefs Auction. And this was my 12th year as lead chef. Um, lead chef really just means I kind of coordinate the, the restaurants that are coming and we had, we had 33 this year, um, you know, all independent restaurants in town. Everybody brought a tasting out of some kind of dish on their menu or, or not on their menu. Um, and we, we auctioned a big dinner at the, um, at the event with a uh, rabbit hole distillery. Um, so that was, that, that was pretty fun. Um, just did a big piece with uh, rabbit hole and James Beard foundation. Uh, so we partnered up on that, donated a dinner for 20 at the distillery, six course sit down with cocktail pairings. Wow. Uh, yeah. so that'd be, that'd be a fun thing to do. Yeah. So you always, you always doing something. You did something for uh, restaurant workers out of work too, right? You did something for, for apron. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a big apron fundraiser at makers mark every year. And, um, uh, I think, gosh, we had like 220 people this year come through for that. Um, I, I took the dessert course, which, like I said, you know, pastry background. A lot of, a lot of chefs either love or hate doing pastries. Um, since I love it, I normally volunteer for that. It's always in the uh, Chihuly room too at the distillery, which is one of my favorite spots at Makers. So that chopped experience, um, I'm sure. It- that was pretty stressful and is chopped. If people don't know, they, they give you some weird ingredients, right? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, it was, uh, I've told people it was one of the most challenging, stressful things I've done in my 26 year career, but it was also a lot of fun. Um, you know, what, what you don't really see from watching the show is the camaraderie that goes on between the chefs. You know, I've made lifelong friends with the other chefs that uh, did the show with me. Um, you know, and, and, and you, know, you don't really understand how, how stressful and strenuous the day is. So, you know, as you get chopped, you get sent home for the day. So being there till the end, it was a 15 hour day. So, you know, a long day in the studio, um, you know, there, there's no, uh, smoke and mirrors when it comes to like the, the baskets and the ingredients and the time limit. Uh, it, it really is. You open that basket and that clock starts. So you didn't know what was inside. No, that basket. They, they really tell you nothing. Um, you don't even know the theme of the show until you do that first basket and they announce it. And what was the weirdest thing that you had to cook with? Uh, I'd say the weirdest was my dessert basket. Um, you know, sea urchin and a dessert. Pretty, pretty crazy <laughs> thing to have to do. Um, but, you know, the judges loved it. I did a sea urchin ice cream. I had never used a commercial ice cream machine like that before. So that was that was stressful on top of making something that I never made. Um, but it was, you know, it was just great, crazy experience. You know, a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of stress, but uh, but but awesome, awesome to do. We actually yeah. watched that last night. Uh, 
I don't know why we were watching. I got home and my wife watched. That's what she had on TV. It was, oh yeah, <laughs> but it was Chop Junior, and they had a girl had a they had um, ketchup soda, and they had a cotton candy hot dog that they had to cook with. And I was like, that is so gross. <laughs> but she made a burrito out of the, her ingredients for that age. I think she was like twelve to. Wow. to I think they had like thirty minutes to make that, and I was amazed. I was like. You know, I always think I'm a pretty good cook, but if you did that to me, I don't think I could come up with something that tasted good. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy. You know, my my appetizer basket was was pretty easy. The ingredients I had, it was a pretty pretty nice basket, I would say. And and that that 20 minutes for that appetizer round, I mean, it 20 minutes goes by so fast. I mean, you 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 feel like you look up and the clock's just done. Um, you know, going into that appetizer round, you don't know where anything is in the kitchen. Um, it's just, it's just nuts. And then even, even thirty minutes for entree and dessert. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very little time to, you know, open a basket of ingredients that you know some of them you've never even seen or used in your whole career, and I have to come up with something. If they called you up and said, "Come on back," uh, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty enjoyable for you to, to, to compete like that. Yeah. You know, and, and it was, you know, um, you know, great thing for the restaurant, you know, great thing personally. And then, and then great for the state, you know, I was real proud to represent Kentucky on the sure. show. Absolutely. So you're doing those fish every Friday, right? And I'm sure some of our listeners want to know, they see those Facebook pictures of you holding up these gigantic fish. Um, you're rather large man, right? <laughs> yeah. But some of those fish got away. Somewhere in the 50 to 100 pound range. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest one I've ever brought in was 134 pound uh, tuna from California. Um, and, and you know, I, I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a power lifter. I lift weights every day before work. You know, a, a 100 pound dumbbell is real easy to move around. A 100 pound fish is very awkward and hard to hold up. Um, so, you know, sometimes those 100, 120 pound fish, I mean, it's, it's a it's a job just getting them up there for a picture and then, you know, breaking them down, flipping them around on cutting boards. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a workout. So Josh, where, where can we find you on social media? Uh, so on, uh, on Facebook, I have a uh, chef page, chef Josh Moore. And on Instagram, it's uh, Joshua D Moore. And for the restaurant. And then the, the restaurant on Instagram is Valari underscore Italian underscore restaurant. Well, so if you're if you're in Louisville and don't miss out, I know we've come down here. It's my wife's birthday, and you came out and brought her dessert out and stuff, and she just thought it was the most amazing thing. And and I'm, I'm sure you make all the guests feel that way. So we appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, don't, don't forget the extensive bourbon menu they have here. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and appreciate the tasting of a, a new delicious bourbon from Woodford. Very interesting, wasn't it? It was. It was. I'm, I'm going to have to get a bottle of that for home. Yeah. Well, we really enjoyed what you brought as well. It's one of our favorites. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you all. Thanks. We do appreciate all of our listeners, and we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Bourbon Road. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if so... We would appreciate if you'd subscribe and rate us a five-star with a review on iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bourbon Road. That way you'll be kept in the loop on all The Bourbon Road happenings. You can also visit our website at thebourbonroad.com to read our blog, listen to the show, or reach out to us directly. We always welcome comments or suggestions. And if you have an idea for a particular guest or topic, be sure to let us know. And again, thanks for hanging out with us.